It's the Renegades Rant Podcast with your host, the Kentucky Renegade. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you want to start your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or to your phone's app stores and download Anchor today. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. This is a, uh, a great day for me. I'm pretty excited. I got a little bit of a starstruck with uh, reaching out to somebody and bringing them to the show. And I'm very happy and excited to have them on the show. If you guys have watched Kings of Pain on History Channel, uh, you will know Caveman Rob. He is on the show today, and I want to welcome, welcome you to the show. So welcome, Caveman Rob. Uh, thanks for having me on. No problem. So how's your day going today? Well, nothing's bit me today, so it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> and you're located out in California, right? That's right, yeah. In Los awesome. Angeles. Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, I've been telling my people that listen to my, my audience uh, for my podcast that I'm wanting to kind of just extend my content out and just kind of do different things with it. And watching Kings of Pain kind of brought me to a whole new light because I kind of, you know, a friend of mine that I work with, he was like, man, have you checked out this show, Kings of Pain? I was like, no, I haven't heard anything about it. He's like, dude, you got to watch it. He goes, it's these crazy guys going on here getting bit and stung by everything. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man. He goes, you got to check out the show. So I got to watching it and I was like, these are some crazy motherfuckers going out here getting stung and bit by this stuff. I was like, you better them than me, but I was like, wow. I was like, and then I got to looking into the Schmidt pain scale and I was like, okay, now it makes more sense. You know, I mean, he just kind of gave me a brief description about what it was. And then I got to watching the show and it was, it was crazy. So what, like, give us a little bit of your backstory before we get to the Kings of pain show. Yeah. Uh, so I'm from Oklahoma. I'm 42. Um, you know, grew up. In a, a pretty rural spot to where this is back in the day when kids were allowed to be kids and we were all on our bikes all the time going around the neighborhood going out in the woods catching crawdads and snakes and stuff stuff the kids these days don't get to do for the most part and uh i think that's what sparked an interest in, in wildlife for me that's awesome <clears throat> now uh like what did you do before like kings of pain came along what kind of job were you doing before you got into that yeah, uh, I moved to L.A., became a bartender. Um, so, uh, someone bought me uh, like a little digital camera. This is back for like 2007 or eight, And said, hey, you're always out in nature. Start taking pictures with these animals and make something of it. And so I did. And then I had another buddy who worked in casting uh, for TV shows. And he's like, hey, I saw you've been putting pictures of animals up i've got a tv show where you go audition for i'm like whoa okay cool and uh the premise of this show i think it's for discovery was basically they made this giant plexiglass box and they want to stuff a person into this plexiglass box and then what they called like a feeding frenzy like inside like a feeding frenzy around <laughs> around the plexiglass <laughs> box like crocodiles and lions and i was like I am not qualified for this, but I did not want to miss out on the chance to sit in this box. So, uh, 
I went out on the audition and I think I think they want me to talk about tigers. I'm like, I don't know anything about tigers. I, I said something really bad, like, well, tigers have stripes. <laughs> they were not impressed with me to say the least. Um, but they reached out to me a few weeks later, like, hey, we're doing a show where we recreate uh, bites and stings of animals for people that have survived. I think the show was called I Was Bitten on Discovery for Animal Planet. And uh, basically, we need someone to come handle all the animals. And um, if you're really crazy, we need someone to get bitten by some non-venomous snakes, you know, on a high-speed camera. And uh, as part of the reenactment for the show. And so I'm, I'm like all over this. There was no speaking role. I was good to go. <laughs> uh, but, but when I was there, uh, I had the idea that why don't we make a whole show about people getting bitten and stung kind of kind of and rape the pain kind of like justin schmidt did and uh for your listeners that don't know justin schmidt was an entomologist a bug guy uh he wrote a book called the sting of the wild and he was pretty famous for it because over the course of his career he got you know stung by ants and wasps and things like that tarantula locks the bullet ant the famous bullet ant and he did a scale of one to four for how bad it hurt it's like a honeybee would be like a medium like a two and then a, a tarantula hawk wasp or bullet ant would be a four it maxes out the scale and uh so i told my buddy who's a producer about it and he's like it's funny you should say that stand by and uh this would have been 2008 or nine when this happened and uh, it sort of led to a long course of me thinking I'm going to get a show similar to Kings of Pain where we get bitten and stung. None of it works. Uh, <laughs> I think had I not done any of that stuff, I still would have gotten Kings of Pain because it was, it was the most random thing how that came up. Uh, but anyway, uh, Discovery wanted to do a, a very similar show to Kings of Pain, you know, over a decade ago. And they had me and two other guys and there's some spinning cobras involved. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. You know it's not going to... The spinning cobras, you know it's not going to go well. And uh, basically, two guys ended up in the hospital. Uh, I ended up at the eye doctor. Discovery was like, hell no, this is too much liability. We're just... They never even aired the pilot. Like, it didn't go anywhere. I got $100. <laughs> I got $100. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there was, there's quite a few things like that over the next decade. I got to hear on Ripley's, believe it or not, talking about the Schmidt pain index, uh, did some YouTube stuff. Uh, none of it was really going anywhere. It was, it was fairly discouraging to be honest. Was uh, it due to just the, the liability of getting stung and bitten by these potential venomous animals? I think it's liability. I think it's the cycles of TV where a show like that would be very interesting to a network for a while. And then TV sort of shifts to a slightly different genre or, or feel kind of uh, with wildlife shows. And, and there's just so many things. And then, and then, uh, you know, YouTube came out and you had guys like uh, Coyote Peterson, who was huge on YouTube and a few other guys who were smaller 
And I think that's sort of probably, it had to be what history saw. I'm like, listen, this guy's making a killing on YouTube. We want to bring this bigger to, to TV. So, so I think that was probably something that really helped us. Yeah, I mean, you think about some of the shows and some of the YouTube channels that have been out there that have been uh, just people getting bit and stung and doing silly stuff, almost kind of like Steve-O and them whenever they had their uh, Wild Boys show. And uh, I, I wouldn't know why a, a you know a network would not want to to do that because i mean that's always just been the thing it's kind of like a version of jackass of getting of getting bit by something that there's a lot of people that enjoy watching that stuff yeah i think tv's changed like jackass would not be as popular if it came out today as it would back then uh things like youtube and people be able to kind of do whatever they want people have seen a lot of crazy stuff you know what i mean right i think history's approach to this to our relief because we didn't want to do anything jackassy you know we're we actually we actually really like the animals and and it's it's our life outside of kings of pain is still animals and uh and so we didn't want anything too jackassy uh but the fact that this sort of falls in the footstep of justin schmidt and his pain index and sort of plays upon what he had already started was really appealing to us and uh yeah. So basically, history just reached out to me one day uh, because I was in talks with them about doing a different TV show. And they're like, hey, we've got this thing. We, we've already greenlit it. We just need to cast it. We think you're perfect for it. So I was like, great. I was I was excited and like pissed at the same time because I think, I think we filmed that first pilot. I was still in my 20s. And then now I'm nearly in my 40s and the show comes out. Like my body <laughs> used to be, man. <laughs> like could have done this when I was a little bit younger. Now I'm doing it a little bit older. Exactly. Maybe it's a good thing because they probably could have talked me anything into doing anything in my twenties. I probably would have got myself killed. So now you're married, right? Yeah, I'm married as well. What, yeah. What what does your wife think about this? I mean, honestly, she's she's happy that I'm not doing anything crazier. She's probably happy I'm not bouncing off to the Middle East or something. So I think she's <laughs> Now, uh, I couldn't remember. Now, were you in the military? No, I was not. Oh, you, but okay. when, we were, when we were dating, I, went and vo I volunteered with uh, the Kurds in Syria. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so I guess that's military, paramilitary, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Happy I'm not doing that. So, so uh, with Justin Schmidt, did, now did you guys get to, to meet him uh, while doing the show? We did. We got to meet him at the end of season one in Mexico and got to have a nice long conversation with him. And and he seemed pretty happy with the show, which is good because it's a lot of pressure because he's 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 an expert in in hymenoptera, which is bees, wasps and ants. And, uh, you know, Adam and I, you know, Adam likes primates. I like snakes. And so we're really branching out into animals that we don't know a lot about. Uh so for him to be like, yeah, good enough. It was, it was very nice. You know what I mean? So he seemed happy with us continuing that. And uh, unfortunately, he just passed not even a month ago, I don't think. So, yeah, I've seen that. And I was just like, wow, that's, you know, very unfortunate. And 
sad that that happened, but I'm sure he's probably thinking, you know, at least I have some people that are out here, you know, still putting out the Schmidt pain scale and, and doing it in a very honorable way. Yeah, it had it had to be cool for him to see the people who are reading his book and and lots and lots of TV shows talked about him. I think they even brought it up in that in that movie Ant Man. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, then I know what you're talking about now because whenever I first seen Ant Man, I've watched it a couple of times and I've seen the reference back to that, and I was like, hey, it's pretty cool that that they put that in there. But how did uh, so how did they air? the show with and get at, uh, Adam involved. Um, so what, what they do in TV is they have for a co-hosted show, they have what they call a chemistry test. And, and so you meet up with a bunch of different guys and just talk people you've never met for the most part and just talk and, and get to know each other. And they just see how the chemistry is. I think sometimes they're looking for people that get along really well, but not too well. You know, they want, they want some differing attitudes. And, and uh, so they, they basically contacted Adam and they're like, we need you to fly to America tomorrow. He's from Perth, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh. they had seen something he had done on YouTube and then throughout, uh, throughout his name to the producers and they liked they liked his look and everything so he got on the plane not even know, knowing what the show was about just it was a wildlife show they pick him up straight from the airport and drive him straight out to the mountains where we were filming and uh he gets to the set and he's like you know so what's, what's this show about like oh you're getting bitten and stung by he's like what the hell <laughs> Yeah, I just now found out how I fucking signed up for the show that I didn't know I was going to get bitten stung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like being around him? Because I think I've, I've watching the show, man, he is hilarious. And I think he's a pretty cool guy. To, I would think it would be awesome to hang out with somebody like that. And you and you as well, just because the knowledge that you guys have with these animals and then to just unknowingly know if they're going to sting you and make you sick the way they have and be surprised at the ones that, that haven't. Yeah. He's super good, dude. Um, our first day or two uh, of season one, we were in the Amazon in Bolivia and he caught uh, a big anaconda and we were looking at the photos of him grabbing it and catching it. And he's like, He's not. He's like, I'm not gonna lie, that looks pretty damn cool. He goes, the next time we see a big snake, make sure you catch it so you can get the same photos. And as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, that's a solid dude. He's not gonna be trying to hog all the all the TV time and everything. He was, he was thinking about me already. So, yeah, we ended up becoming best friends. We're still best friends to the day. That's awesome. Now with the show, what was your uh, what was your best and worst stinger bite? Well, the best, uh, did you ever watch the episodes where the tarantula hawk wasp, just the big wasp that tackles tarantulas and lays eggs on it? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the most fun, man. <laughs> they are, uh, they're a bit like a drug. So the pain from them is pretty severe. Like it, it's this really strong, sharp pain, but it may only last a minute at the most. And so your body thinks that you have just, lost an arm or something just based on the pain 
Oh wow! <laughs> it's just like whoa. Feels like you got stabbed or something. It's 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 pretty sharp. Uh, but then the pain goes away so fast that you you're left flooded with all those endorphins that your your body thought was appropriate. Um, it's what Justin Schmidt would re- would refer to as dishonest pain compared to honest pain, and uh, he would say that if, if a say an animal bit you and gave you a, a huge gash in your arm and it felt like a huge gash in your arm, that's a very honest pain. Like the pain equals the damage. Um, insects have dishonest pain where it feels like there's a lot more damage than is actually inflicted. And that's their, that's the, that's the insect strategy for defending itself. Um, so your body thinks you just had a huge injury, but with the tarantula hawks, the pain goes away so fast that you're left with a nice rush of endorphins. Like I'm thinking about opening like a, like a clinic or selling them on the corner, man. It's like, it's like a drug. <laughs> <laughs> now, like what was the worst one that you had? Well, I got, there's a couple. So we went to Indonesia and we wanted to add a reticulated python to the pain index. And that's typically regarded as the longest snake on earth, you know, approaching 30 feet, supposedly. I mean, they can get huge. Um, one, one even close to that size would be extremely rare. Uh, but we went out looking for, we got a, I think an eight foot python. And we were like, well, for, such, for a snake that gets so big, an eight foot python's kind of weak. So we started looking, we kept looking. And we got a, I think it was 16 foot python. So basically double the size. We're like, this is more like it. <laughs> Big python. The yeah. Problem, the problem was it was a male. And, and uh, you know, reticulated pythons are probably one of the few snake species that can actually hurt each other when they're, when they're competing for mates. A lot of snakes will do sort of a really, uh, ritualized, uh, combat where they may just pin the other snake or the, they can just tell who's stronger and they're not really hurting each other. It, it seems like reticulated pythons have sort of, I want to call it teardrop t- uh, shaped teeth, which actually can cut and they can cut other snakes. And so we didn't want to do a male. We want to do a female that has more normal teeth. And, uh, but this one was a male and it was all we had. So it kind of came down to do you want to take the risk or do you want to do the show? You know, do you not want to do the show? And we decided to take the risk and Adam's bite was perfect. It, it shredded him. Uh, lots of blood, lots of drama, like exactly what you want for a TV show. It looks so good. Scared the piss out of me though. Cause he's just leaking everywhere, but it was fine. It was what we wanted. Uh, and when the snake bit me, it scored a direct hit on my ulnar nerve, which is, you know, if you ever hit your funny bone, you know about mm-hmm. your, and, uh, it appears to have punctured it, maybe partially severed it. And, uh, so I still got nerve damage to this day. Oh, like the doctor basically declared me 18% disabled. Like it was, it was pretty rough. Yeah. The, the bite itself, just, uh, watching it. I mean, I think I still have PTSD from <laughs> seeing you get bit. I mean, that snake was enormous and the amount of damage it did to both of you. I was just like, how in the hell can you still function after that? Cause I'd be like 
scared to turn around the corner and there'd be another damn python around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love them so much. It's not like we were out walking in the bush and the snake came and grabbed us. So, Right. Uh, I mean, honestly, other than that happening and and just the pain and, and how sick we felt and the, and the health risk, it was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life was filming this TV show. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, now, uh, the pythons and stuff, uh, what do you think about what's going on in Florida with the pythons and the, uh, taking over the swamps and the Everglades down there? Yeah, it's it's, it's a huge problem. That I don't know if they'll ever figure out how to completely deal with them. There was a big scare years ago where they thought they did some, they basically did some, some climate models to see how far north the pythons could spread. And I think it had them throughout much of the, the coast, if I remember, and then across the southern U.S. into Texas, and then maybe parts of Arizona and California. Um, I, I don't think that is a real risk. I don't see how they would spread to Arizona and California. It's far, and, and the habitat's quite different, and they'd be found probably. Um, and then the rest of the southern U.S., while the average temperatures are appropriate, being a continental climate, uh, there's, there's just no mountains between, say, Alabama and, and Canada to protect it. So you do get these hard freezes that happen from time to time, and that will probably check the pythons probably just keep them south of Lake Okeechobee in Florida. I don't think them moving north is a problem. But where they are, yeah, they've decimated the native birds. They've decimated the native mammals. Uh, all around a pretty horrible situation. I think the only positive out of it may be that they have killed a lot of things like raccoons and other uh, predators and scavengers that eat eggs and so the alligator and the american crocodile population in southern florida is probably benefiting from them it's because not not a lot of animals are, are left to eat their eggs interesting yeah I, I never really understood the importance of all the the reptiles and the ecosystem but you know watching that show i've kind of done my own little personal research and investigation into it and it's very interesting that uh how everything works. It's kind of like when they reintroduced the uh, wolves to Yellowstone. I thought that was very interesting as well. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that's is tough for the ranchers. You know, they're, they're a big predator and they take a lot of calves and, uh, but believe it or not, they say that fishing has gotten better where the wolves are. Um, because basically there's a little more grass around the streams now. It's not getting overgrazed as much. And that, I guess, provides home for insects, which the fish eat. So it was something along those lines, like very unexpected consequences, both good and bad. Correct. So have you ever thought about going down to Florida and catching some of those pythons? Yeah, I did last August or September. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got, I got one when I visited way back in, it must have been like 2008, probably when this was sort of just unfolding. Uh, but I went back last year with a really professional snake guy. His name is Snakeaholic. If you look him up on Instagram or one of those, uh, he's got a really cool page where he hunts pythons all the time. And that's a full-time job for those guys. 
they go out there and just rack in pythons. And I think it's a, I think there's hourly pay, but there's also a bounty system on the pythons. And these guys actually make a living off of it, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I know they had a show on, I don't know if it was on Discovery or not, it was called Guardian of the Glades, and it was following a guy of uh, going around collecting all the uh, pythons down there in the Everglades. Yeah, it's a good way to get destroyed by mosquitoes, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look too fun. I mean, is you're going to get beat, bit by mosquitoes or potentially get bit by a, by a snake. <laughs> Yeah, but if I live there, uh, I'll, I'd probably do it. They said in the summer months they drive faster because they do a lot on the back of trucks. They just drive faster to the mosquitoes can't get them. Uh, and then in the winter time, it's nicer because they can go during the day because it's not so hot and the snakes are out basking. There's fewer bugs, so it's not always awful out there for them. And it's, it's the, th- uh, the thrill of the hunt is probably what it is. So what got you into wanting to chase rattlesnakes? Uh, you know, like I said, just a huge fan of wildlife in general. Um, I work now. I have two jobs that involve rattlesnakes. One, we train uh, we train dogs to avoid rattlesnakes. So I handle snakes for that. Uh, when I first heard that, I was like, that is the biggest load of crap. This is a scam. There's no way. Um and then I watched my buddy do it and basically he, he sets up a course with, you will take your dog, get to know your dog and it sets up a course where the dog interacts with the baby rattlesnake, interact, then it interacts with just a shed skin, which isolates the smell for your dog. So it knows the way a rattlesnake smells. Then he takes it over to part of the course where it's just a rattlesnake rattle and he's got a rattle on a remote control device. So it has the same... <coughs> same sounds and then on the way back to its owner the dog encounters an adult rattlesnake and uh i had watched videos of other companies doing this and some of them just looked terrible for the dog terrible for the snake uh but this guy knew what he's doing he's not shocking the hell out of your dog with a shock collar like he has collars that are that start out on really low levels and it just lets your dog know that okay i think that thing bit me I don't want to interact with it anymore. Uh, and then my other my other job is um, I live around L.A. and the mountains around here. Uh, there's a lot of movie sets, TV sets. And so, you know, shows like I got to work on Navy SEAL, NCIS, a bunch of shows like that. And when they film in the mountains or some of these outdoor scenes, I just scour the area for rattlesnakes and, and remove them from the set until filming is done. So... Basically, I get I get paid to look for snakes, which is I would do that for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's great to get paid to do what you love. So, I mean, that's just a major benefit out of that. Definitely. So, have you been bit by a rattlesnake? I did get bit many years ago. Now, people ask me at work, I tell them no because. It is... <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about this guy, uh, but I did. I was photographing a rattlesnake uh, in 2011, I think it was. And I, I got just got too close and got bitten, and uh, that turned into a five hundred and eighty something thousand dollar medical bill. Oh wow! And a week in the hospital for five days of that week, I was getting worse, and uh, yeah, it was brutal. That's why I tell people, you know, 
leaf snakes alone. That that's a quarter of a million to a half million dollar bill. As soon as you get bitten, depends, depends on what bites you, but it can be, it can be really expensive. Yeah, and with the uh, anti venom and all that stuff that people go out and do, all these uh, scientists and the doctors and stuff. How you feel about that? Well, that's great, man. That's probably what kept me alive, or at least kept me from having some severe injuries. So it's a great job. If you look at some of those guys that have been collecting venom for many years, like they're very professional, but you touch thousands of snakes every year. There's accidents and a lot of those guys are missing fingers and stuff. So they definitely uh, sacrificed a bit for the rest of us. Yeah. And, you know, I worked in the hospital and I mean, we didn't deal with any potential dangerous snake uh, venom, but we did deal with uh, people getting bit by brown recluse and black widows because they're pretty prominent here in our area. And just seeing the damage from that is just unreal. We had somebody that got bit, and first they didn't know what what the problem was with it, and didn't know that it was a spider bite. They didn't know it was a spider bite, but they had been getting sick over a few days, and then they came in, and they're just all around their skin. It was turning black, and you know, getting gangrene, and it, I mean, just the damage from a brown recluse spider is something else goodness they got gangrene from it yeah i mean it was it just started turning their skin black and it's just getting crusted and just greenish color and pus coming out and the holes started getting bigger and bigger in their skin and they had to do a lot of therapy and then eventually over a matter of time they end up dying from it because it just it just was far into them and the I guess the venom or whatever from the brown recluse eventually took its toll on its organs. So, Oh goodness. Yeah. And it was, it was a long stretch of period that they were in and out of rehab and in and out of the hospital getting surgeries done and getting, uh, blood, blood transfusions, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's, it just progressed and finally ended up taking their life. That's insane. Yeah, those, those few people that have, I guess they call it necrotizing uh, arachnoidism, if I'm saying that right. Um, I think it just triggers cells to trigger other cells to die, basically. That's yeah. my wheelhouse, but that can get out of control. Basically, most brown recluse bites do not end up like that. My mom's been bitten a few times. Uh, I grew up with them all over my house. Never had any issues. But uh, I guess when it happens, it can be pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I've grown up in this area and I mean, I've been around them too and I've not gotten bit thankfully, but there's some, those small few cases where somebody gets bit and that's what happens. It just takes them down a long, bad road of health. And you guys didn't have a lot of snake bites out there? Uh, I mean, we have, let's see what all we have around here. We have the cotton mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we got? The copperheads. Yeah. What are you, where are you, Kentucky? Kentucky. We're, uh, Western Kentucky along the Ohio river Valley. So okay. we have a mix. Probably cane break or timber rattlesnakes. Kentucky. I can't, I can't even picture these ranges on the map. We should have at least, at least all those. Yeah, well, I know we do have the uh, 
the timber rattlesnakes. Um, not very many in this area. It's more like southwestern Kentucky. Okay. But the more prominent stuff is like the copperheads and cottonmouths, and uh, we got water moccasins and all that stuff. But it's not as nearly dangerous like having the rattlesnakes and the the diamondbacks and stuff. All that's further south, but. Yeah, you won't be bitten by any of them, though. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime I've I've went hunting and been out in the woods, you know, I've always made sure to be checking around trees and you know limbs that have fallen down from the trees, just making sure that I'm not stepping on something that's gonna you know end up striking me. Yep. So with the uh, Kings of Pain, are we gonna see another season? You think? Maybe. So we shot season one, like 2019, aired in 2020. And then obviously. COVID. COVID COVID played a, played a pretty big hassle on everybody's TV shows. Yes, it did. (laughs) Uh, But then out of the blue, we got renewed for season two at the end of 2021. And we shot it. We didn't feel safe traveling yet just because you might get something canceled. And uh, we barely had the budget just to get everything done as it was. Uh, we couldn't afford any cancellations. So instead of going and hunting the animals, which is way more fun. Season one, we went to South Africa. We went to Bolivia and the Amazon. We went to Indonesia, Bali. Uh, we went to Baja, California, and Mexico. Had a blast. Season two, we are in the wintertime in the mountains in California, just windy and cold and miserable (laughs) i hated season two so much i can't even tell you and uh and yeah season one we we filmed two episodes a month with a week break in between uh episode or between every every couple episodes and season one we knocked them out all in a row bam 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 one episode a week and our body just man we we aged we aged significantly And uh, we just wake up in the morning. And it was weird because you know, I wake up at home, like normal, you know, wife's there, everything. We go pick up Adam from his, his hotel. And then we go up and just shoot a couple of scenes and get bitten by something, go home. It was just awful. Freaking <laughs> <laughs> gold the whole time. Yeah. So, so if, if, they're, if they were new for another season, like what kind of places do you want to go and travel to? Oh, man it's tough because you would think it'd be easy to find a lot of animals to get bitten and stung by, but we're actually looking for a very narrow, weird window of animals. Cause this basically what we're doing with what Adam and I want to do with this show, the show, if you get bitten, kind of what you can expect, uh, what could happen to you? I just feel like people appreciate animals more when they know more about them. And they're less likely to, to panic and hurt themselves or do something stupid if they have a little information. The problem for us, though, <sighs> some animals are kind of weak and they, it's not really worth being on TV. And other animals can cause severe damage or kill you. And so we're looking for those animals that are sort of in between. But nature isn't perfectly cut like that. And every, every bite's on a spectrum, kind of like... How bad is a human punch hurt? Well, depends on who the hell's hitting you and how well, you know what I mean? Right. So, so we might think we're getting, you know, 
your your sparring partner in the gym, like say say you're gonna get bit by this stung by this fish, and typically it's like your sparring partner in the gym, like that's the equivalent of how bad this fish hurts, but but that day you accidentally picked a Mike Tyson of fishes and it just wrecks you. And so <laughs> we're, we're like always like walking that line, you know. <laughs> For uh you you'll you'll appreciate this. So the first thing of season one, we were doing a scorpion episode and we picked the largest scorpion in North America. And it's a giant desert hairy scorpion. You'll find it around California, Arizona. Um, and I've been stung by it before. And it just, it stung. It was not a big deal. Like, okay, yeah, that hurts, whatever. So we decided because it looked cool, because it's so big, like, let's start with that. It'll be kind of like a, easing into season two and i was telling adam i was like don't even worry about this thing it it'll sting for five minutes and you'll be fine and because of that i think we got a little cocky and we just let this scorpion sting us for as long as it wanted to for a long time and in doing that i think it pumped like a ridiculous amount of venom in us and we we ended up i think adam wanted to murder me because we ended up like (laughs) Pins and needles, like, like in our in our teeth, in our tongues, the tops of our heads, our hands and feet, like for I think eleven hours. Just felt like we were licking a battery for eleven hours. <laughs> it was awful. And I got like instant diarrhea, <laughs> a rush into the porta potties, and uh, you know, Adam's jaw is chattering. And then for. The next 16 days, I had severe cramps in my hand to where my hand would just lock up and one one or another finger would go off in a weird direction, like painfully. And it would just, it did that for 16 days straight. Oh, damn. It was brutal. And what that did to us mentally is just scared the hell out of us because now, even if a bee flew by, we were scared, you know, because <laughs> we didn't know what to expect from anything. <laughs> Yeah, some of the some of the animals that you guys had to to deal with. I think the most craziest one to me outside the reticulated python was the electric eel. Yeah. And the fact that you guys had that set up to where you could hear it making the noise, that would have totally freaked me the hell out. Just hearing that as close the closer you start getting, the more noise it started making. Yeah. The fact that you know you were getting ready to stick your hand in on it, just I couldn't imagine the amount of pain. But you guys seemed like that it was just like a real quick thing, and that was it. Yeah, that, am I right? Yeah, that was a, a weird one. We almost didn't even rate that one because it was so weird. Uh, first off, uh, our animal handler got shocked by accident, <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing these thick rubber gloves. And they kept asking them to adjust the camera, like a little GoPro camera in the, in the water and, and like adjust, adjust. And, and some water started flowing in and then the electric eel hit him. <laughs> well, he's not dead. So <laughs> it's one of those things that anybody could probably touch an electric eel and be fine typically, but in certain situations people have died and we're talking about electricity and, uh, you, you know, I try to look up everything I can about it, but it turns out you can't learn about electricity in, in one or two nights. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we took all the precautions, but I if you were 
in the water, especially with multiple eels, or you're just in a situation where you can't get out of the water, then um, you could be in serious trouble. And I imagine it'd be excruciating because we were able to pull our hands out of the water. It was, it was, a, it was a severe pain, but almost painless, if that makes sense. Cause it was just over so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And just watching the show. I'm always thankful you have a uh, Dr. Ben there with you guys. Cause he seems uh, to be a very intelligent and knowledgeable doctor on those, those things. Yeah, he, he was right there with right there waiting for us. So that that's good just knowing he's there. And uh I was like, have you ever treated an electric eel? But he's like, I've treated shocks. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of gives you a little bit of hope. <laughs> so uh what's next for you guys? What are what are you gonna be up to? What are you and Adam gonna do or while you're in the process of uh, wedding to see if you're going to get picked up again. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it took a couple of years to get from season one to season two. So we haven't given up hope on uh, season three at all, but if we don't, that's fine. Season one and season two are some of the greatest adventures of my life. And Av and I are pitching some other TV shows. We want to do uh, some wild sort of mysteries and stuff, go investigate, you know, there, there's a lot of urban legends about about animals and we want to go investigate them and we want to keep it in sort of the same hands-on sort of feel of kings of pain so we we hope to do something even more exciting than kings of pain so that's on the table and then uh you know if, if you, any of your uh, listeners have ever thought about going to africa ab and i are putting together uh basically safari trips usually 10 days at a time to south africa we're about to go in August to South Africa and Swaziland or the kingdom of Eswatini as it, as it's called now. We'll go look for lions. We'll go look for pythons. We'll go, uh, boating around hippos. We'll go swim with stonefish. And it's, we worked real hard to make it to where like a hardcore, a hardcore animal person would still have fun, but your average everyday person could still go and not just be scared out of their minds. Like, it would be an adventure, but it wouldn't be like, you know, death is around the door all the time. <laughs> right. Well, that'd be awesome. I mean, I'd, I'd be down to do some some stuff in Africa. I really think that the safari and all that, so it's, it's very interesting to me with wildlife and where humanity stands on that scale. <laughs> you're kind of on the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> it's, it's such a great feeling, though, when you're like the... You realize you're not at the top of the food web, you know, <laughs> you just, you feel so small. I yeah. Think... I, I watch a ton of those shows on uh, things that are in Africa with the, the lions, the tigers, the hyenas. And it's, it's very interesting just, just to know that you're that low, you know, you think you're here like living in the States, you know, you're mankind and, Humanity kind of rolls around here, but when you get out there in actual nature, you feel kind of like you're the lowly person on the totem pole, and you, you kind of are. Yeah, I think that's good for people, though. We are, we're in such, like, uh, despite all our problems, we have it so easy, you know. <laughs> Modern man has it so easy, you know. For most of us, if if we can't handle you know, 73 degree temperatures, we'll go to our thermostat and turn it to 72. <laughs> <You know what laughs> I mean? Right. 
I think that's good for people to, it gives you a little bit of perspective. Uh, yeah. All like that. Yeah. I think that's something that everybody in this, uh, in this country here now probably needs a little bit of just a, a little bit of a reminder how kind of life works when you're mm-hmm. in nature and have a little bit more respect about how we have it so get so good and so easy here. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we keep it that way. And I definitely, uh, definitely recommend everyone gets out in nature and just get away from social media and all that stuff. You know, I, I love, I love YouTube and, and, uh, podcast and all that, but sometimes you need to get away and, and, uh, think or pray or whatever you do and sort of, uh, rein yourself in from the craziness. Now, have you been over to uh, Australia? I have. I went and visited Adam out there, and, and that, was, that was a pretty good time. <laughs> How, how's Australia? I, I like it. I want to go do more. I stay kind of around Perth, which is on the west coast of Australia. Um, nearly got bitten by a, a highly venomous tiger snake almost as soon as we landed. We went straight to this lake in the middle of the neighborhood, and people are walking their dogs, and then five feet away from the trail, there's this there's tiger snakes, one of the most famous snakes anywhere in the world. I think if they were to rank it, it's like number three or something like by toxicity. Wow. And I, I, I grabbed it and then really nearly, nearly almost got bitten. <laughs> so, what, what really is considered the most venomous? Is it the black mamba or is it? Um, you know, when people ask the most venomous, or most dangerous, it's almost hard to answer. But when they do studies where they look for what's called the LD50. So they take a certain amount of venom and inject it into mice and whatever the amount is that kills 50% of the mice injected, that's considered the LD50. It's just sort of a way of ranking at least how well a snake kills mice and probably would translate to humans uh, in some ways. And you would probably look at the inland Taipan in Australia and then... Now, I haven't I haven't read this in so many years. The tiger snake's way up there, maybe even number two. I can't remember. And then you have, I think, the coastal taipan. A lot of Australian snakes would be in the top ten. Hmm. Interesting. But they, they have very, very few um, snake bike deaths. In, in the entire country, they have maybe one or two a year. And uh, Australia's really not that scared of snakes for the most part, I can tell. They have a very tolerant feeling towards them. Uh, they have really good antivenin. They have test kits there. So if you're bitten, they'll they'll rub the area and figure out with the with, they'll swab the area and run a test on it and figure out what kind of snake bit you. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I would love to go to Australia because it, you know they have a lot of animals there that would be very interesting to go see out in their actual element. Definitely. Anywhere else is that is that the top of your bucket list for travel? Top of my bucket list would be, uh, I'd say number one, I want to go to the Maldives. Mm-hmm. Number two would be Australia. And number three would probably be uh, Ireland. Okay. There's no snakes in Ireland. I will never go there. <laughs> you might well, love Family heritage, though. Yeah. I'm part yeah. Irish, so. Okay. What part of Ireland? Uh, I believe it's somewhere northern Ireland. I can't remember what the city was. Uh, 
we did the whole family ancestry thing and we have northern part of ireland is where our family's from oh cool cool but yeah, you are hope you can get out and travel well i wouldn't mind doing it it's just with everything going on kind of in the world it's kind of like i don't know if i really want to leave <laughs> leave country yet or not <laughs> i know exactly what you mean it's just just it's a crazy world we're living in right now and you know we had the pandemic that happened and just a lot of countries they're they're still kind of tied to what happened with the pandemic and still has some kind of uh, measures in place so it's kind of hard to want to go somewhere where you're going to be required to do stuff now i wouldn't worry too much too much about it uh it's getting better so fast in fact uh for south africa and swaziland there's no test there's no jab there's nothing so well that's a good thing that's a good thing yep now i don't trust them not to throw some measures back in place overnight but i think most of these places want tourism and they want it bad and they realize that was a bad policy so I don't think really Africa had too much of a ordeal with the pandemic from what I've heard that really their countries want to stay open. They didn't want to be, you know, forcing their people to take a, a shot and they didn't want to force people to be locked down. I think there's maybe a couple countries within uh, Africa that did that. But other than that, pretty much it was free reign from what I heard over there. Okay. Yeah, I know South Africa has some stuff in place for a while. But it but, looks like the world is mostly back open for business. And and that's how we're hope we can keep it that way, where we can just travel freely and go and have fun and not have to worry about all this uh, pandemic stuff. Yeah. I, I won't hold my breath, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go there because that's not the kind of show I want it to be, but... Yeah, I think I think for the most part, I think uh, everybody knows the situation that's that's happened. And, you know, we just want a better world to live in. And that's where I hope we go with it. I hope so, too, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Any kind of last parting things you want to want to say? Man, just thanks for having me on. Email me if, if you are ever interested in a trip somewhere. Um, if anybody wants to follow me on social media, I'm on Instagram as Caveman Rob, Caveman R O B. And if you want to watch Kings of Pain, season one is on Hulu. And it's also, you can get full episodes now on the History Channel YouTube. Just type in Kings of Pain full episode. Uh, for season two, it might be on there later. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, maybe we can do a show with you and Adam here somewhere down the down the road at the, towards the end of the year or something if you guys aren't busy. And hopefully you guys get picked up and do a, a season three for Kings of Pain. And, you know, I just enjoyed your show. And thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Hope to talk to you again. All right, everybody. That's the show. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Renegades Rant Podcast. Find the Kentucky Renegade Patriot on TikTok and Instagram, as well as the Renegades Rant Podcast on Pandora, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast, and many others.